Hello again, and thank you for joining episode 31 of Customers Who Click. Today, I spoke with Jeff Davis of Molio. We had a chat about video advertising and how brands can more easily access this channel without having to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on the content alone. Video is great. It's super engaging. It's, it's being consumed more than ever before. And it really is the perfect place to explain your marketing message and your brand values. Unfortunately, creating video content can be a bit of a pain. It's difficult to know where to start, where to finish, and what happens if no one responds to the adverts. Fortunately, Jeff is here to tell you how to do it right. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for joining me today. Um, if you could tell us a bit about yourself, a bit of your background and, and why you do what you do. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you today. Um, my name is Jeff Davis. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Molio, a creative digital agency with a focus on video and telling stories with the video medium. Um, short version, uh, not an agency guy. Uh, had a long career at Procter & Gamble, um, 23 years, five different countries, six different businesses, um, and uh, left PNG about 10 years ago, um, completely uh, uh, not a normal path, um, ended up becoming an angel investor in a small company called Warbrush, which was a tongue cleaner, which became a case study for Google. And the case study was that Orbrush uh, Tongue Cleaner was the first consumer product to be commercialized on a global level just using YouTube advertising. So we've had this long little run now with YouTube and video. And uh, I like to, to end my bio by saying, you know, I was frustrated very much with the agency world out there as I was in Procter & Gamble my last years as an executive. And Molio is kind of the agency that, that I created that I always wanted, but uh, but but never uh, could find at the time when I was at P&G. And so we uh, have some fun brands we've launched and uh, created. We love David and Goliath stories um, and do pretty well with what we call affectionately the Molio method. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. Sounds great. Um, yeah. Quite the career. Um, obviously, Procter & Gamble, massive, uh, massive companies and big brands there. So let's dive into the, the, the video side of things um, in more detail. Um, yeah, if you could just tell us, I guess, generally a bit, a bit around video and advertising and how the use of it has changed and, and who it works for and things like that. And then we'll kind of go into your model a bit later. Yeah, you bet. Um, I think importantly, you know, it's, it used to, as things were shifting, you know, call it, you know, 10 years ago when I invested in this little company here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I remember, I, I think, I can't remember which, I think it was uh, entrepreneur.com or it was that age. And I was quoted as saying, start with digital, start with video, start with YouTube. And I remember all of my P&G colleagues kind of laughing at me and, you know, asking, this is 2010, you know, so this is uh, people asking, you know, what, what's he talking about? Well, I just was privy to a very front row seat with these young millennials at the time that were just hanging out on YouTube. Uh, YouTube promoted video. Uh, you know, YouTube's uh, is, is you know, uh, incorporated uh, in 2000, 2006. So at the time, 2009, they launched promoted video. Google acquired them. And um, our original bad breath video shot in a pool hall in Provo in August of 2009, just shortly after uh, YouTube had, had launched promoted video. And so I had the chance to just really, you know, literally drink from the fire hose from these young 
millennials who were just mapping out this new way in which you could create awareness and trial for a product or service using YouTube advertising, using YouTube advertising, YouTube. And so, uh, so we ended up having this amazing run, uh, built this brand, you know, uh, distributed it into 25 different countries, all just using YouTube advertising. And then uh, I knew we were onto something and I knew that we were, that this start with digital, start with video, start with YouTube was not so crazy. And then of course, when Facebook launched video and other platforms launched video, we've continued to evolve our market and our offering uh, for what we do uh, really with, with digital online video at the core. Do you deal with, um, are you a, a media buying agency or more the creative side of things? Now, very good question. In fact, it's really an important part of what I think entrepreneurs and marketers need to think about today. And, and this is self-serving, so I'll go ahead and disclose that. But I would never today work with just a creative agency. And I would never today just, you know, contract with someone on an insertion order to buy media. Um, today, the marketplace is too complicated and provides so much rich data to really understand the integration of creative and media. And so again, you know, Molio, we, we are an integrated creative strategy, media and analytics company. And literally our media people, you know, when we were sitting in offices, Will, that's a little different now, a little difficult here in the United States and maybe in other places of the world as well. But we, when, we, when we were sitting in offices, you know, we were literally, you know, fight, the, the creative head of creative, my partner and managing director of the company, Sam Cannon, a former holding company, Razorfish creative uh, director, he sits five feet from the head of our media and analytics group. And they often are talking about the content and often are talking about the audiences against whom we're trying to target that content. So I think it's a really important thing today that you have a very integrated approach. If you don't have an agency that does both, um, then you really want to make sure that you have a very um, uh, important integration between your inside team, your your creative group, and your media and, anal- and your media group that then hopefully does provide analytics. That because the analytics are so rich today. In fact, well, I would say one thing, and then pause that. That's one of the problems. There's so much rich data on the YouTube, uh, on the Google platform or the Facebook platform, just to mention the two largest ones alone, that to interpret and gain insights and make adjustments to that is is extremely difficult if you don't have the right partners. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, because especially with video content where uh, you know it, it takes takes quite a while to produce and you know and and come come up with the ideas, the scripts, the the actual like creative side of it. You can't just create that and then pass it over to a media agency and yes. say, right now, run ads on that, because they have to really understand it. And either they've got to spend their own time watching that video again and again, working out the messaging and therefore what their targeting should be, or they've got to sit on a call or meetings with the creative people, who then have to just explain it anyway. So. Yeah, and, and I would argue, and and I can say this with credibility because my my partner here at Molio is, you know, the former North American executive creative director for Razorfish, you know, one of the 
holding companies that was, was recently acquired by Sapient. And he says that, I mean, as he got into our little company and came and joined me to create it, he was just amazed at what you can learn as a creative by understanding the data and targeting and segmentation and positioning availability within the platforms, what, what you just said. Uh, and then I'd make one other comment, Will, that is important for a conversation, which is because people have this belief, and it's not untrue, but it is not, but I think it becomes a barrier that many companies, small, medium, and large, um, sometimes um, create too much of a barrier that it costs a lot, takes a lot of time to create uh, video or we call them content assets. And I can explain more about that later because it used to be maybe you created a video, but today the way we do it, it is very different because of the various platforms and what you can actually do with video. But I would say it becomes this barrier, right? People, oh, it costs a lot to produce, um, especially if you're not a creative or, or you have to go hire a creative agency. And especially then, you know, a creative agency comes up with a brilliant idea, but do you know if it works? And are you willing to shell out X amount of dollars? Um, but but in, in the case today, you know, again, you can use an iPhone uh, or, or, or an Android Samsung or, or any other of these uh, very sophisticated little phone cameras. And you can take pretty decent level of video and, and even just upload and begin to learn. One of the things we love about video is just not its ability to tell a story and create awareness and, and trial for a product or service. We love the medium of video for market research and just what you can learn beyond just normal display or, or search advertising. It's a, it's a rich medium for learning. Yeah, I think you make, made a really good point about um, the production of video. Um, obviously with things like TikTok, you need to get out, you need to go, get content out there quickly. And it's just, and the format of the content as well means that, you know, it is, in a lot of cases, easiest to just do it on a phone and then upload it, or you might go to a bit more effort, but you, it's also that speed as well. And if you had that disconnect between media and creative, you just, you're never going to be able to keep on top of that. Yeah. That, and let me add one more to it, Will, which you'll appreciate with your background is the other side is if you don't have the right partners or don't have the right strategy to integrate your partners look, the incentive for a creative house is to come up with a really good creative idea. And then ideally it wears out and you have to create another good creative idea. That, that's, that's how they make their money. Um, we don't have that conflict at, at Molio. Uh, and, and one of our points of difference uh, uh, on our model is that we have content that has lasted years, you know, literally years because of the way that we create it in, in a nonlinear, regular shooting way. And, and then secondly, so our incentive, our incentive is not necessarily always go create new creative. Our incentive is to create campaigns that scale and, and that last and that say, stay within KPI metrics that matter in an evolving landscape. I mean, it's never just plug it and play. That's one of the dangers also today I think of the the AI being introduced on the platforms, which is amazing. But, you know, today you can just, and, and many companies do this, you just, we call it plug it, uh, you know, uh, you know, um, set it and forget it, you know, or, you know, you just let the, you just, you know, put in your parameters and then let the artificial intelligence and the algorithms take over. 
uh, Molio's media methodology is is very hands-on. You know, in many of these platforms, Facebook and YouTube particular, these are um, an auction for views. I mean, it's literally, I, I say that my media group is stockbrokers for views. And you have a hypothesis that you're going to go against. And then you begin, you, you, you set it. And we watch the algorithms and we'll generally watch what's happening. And then, then we often... Um, our 24-7 monitoring and our methodology, you know, we can do better than, than the algorithms. But today, those algorithms are pretty impressive, you know, so the AI components are quite amazing. But how do you then find the points of difference to take a particular piece of creative and make it last for years? That's, that's not a common practice. It's also not the incentives if you're if you're working with a creative house. I mean, you know, they love a great idea, but, you know, they make money by by making lots of creative ideas. Um, and so we like to always, uh, uh, you know, guide people to make sure you've got the right partners that are incentivized to do what you do, which is create great ideas that can last and create brand equity and stay within media analytics patterns for conversion and awareness and purchase intent and, and, uh, and, and, and awareness lift and all the things that you might want for your brand. And today you can do that. So you should want to do that. Yeah, definitely. Really. Yeah. Oh, great stuff. I can't, can't argue with anything there. Um, do you want to tell us a bit more about your model? How you yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, we, uh, we affectionately call it the Molio method. And um, it, it, as I said before, f- uh, you know, the, uh, my age demographic, a uh, little bit older uh, in, in my fifties. And, you know, I used to call it the reverse marketing model. Now, it's, I don't do that anymore because everyone kind of understands today you, you, you want to get on the digital platforms. But I used to call it the reverse model because it was, that's, that's that quote I gave to, 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 I think it was that age of, of start with digital, start with video, start with YouTube. And the idea is to start out and test and learn and then figure out, you know, what you would do uh, never with just saying, okay, well, let's low, let's go try a hundred thousand or, you know, what's, what's your media budget for that? Or what's your production budget for that? So, so our, the Molio method really is the integration of creative uh, and media and analytics with video at its core. And what we like to say is that when we have, a, so we generally create a hypothesis with a client as to, you know, if these are existing brands, existing brands are trying to find new audiences, new brands are trying to find a core audience and expand from that beachhead onto broader audiences and finding scale. And so, um, we, we like to call it um, that um, we have this video first approach where um, we, we, we create the content and we call them content assets because in this case, we'll um, you're not really creating a video anymore. You know, to be on Instagram, you have a certain format of, of content you need. To be on Facebook, you need a certain content, the YouTube, et cetera. Our general methodology is to create what we call long-form video, a, an initial content asset that has a long-form number of uh, reasons to believe or positions with the brand promise that we're trying to hook consumers to, to, to bite and, and convert. And um, when I say long form, it's generally, you know, it starts out three to five minutes usually. And we usually generally start out on YouTube because that's where we have a rich amount of learning and Facebook. Uh, so Facebook and YouTube will, will usually start out. 
Um, and we, we begin to then um, use the methodology of we have three or four different ideas uh, within that long form that we're trying to test the valid and test and validate which ones are most resonant with consumers. And we use both creative assets and targeting uh, assets on the platform to try and arrive at, you know, what's the right message? What's the right uh, positioning? What's the right offer? Um, and, 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 you know, really come to a brand that has the right message, you know, the right offer against the right audiences with a couple of core creative ideas that can then be scaled. And generally, the process takes eight to 12 weeks uh, to go from, um, you know, signing a statement of work, um, defining and conceptualizing ideas, producing that content and testing content assets. So we have... Uh, we, we like to say, and this is important as part of our methodology, people say, oh, well, video's just for top of the funnel, just for awareness. No, I'm really looking for performance marketing. You know, I want a, I want a CPA of X. And, and, uh, and, and you're probably very well of this, we're well of, a, uh, the, of this, Will, that, you know, a lot of people, therefore, it's easier to kind of jump on Facebook or Instagram. It does have a nice component to convert traffic. You can really, at the lower funnel, get metrics and KPIs that work quite well. We like to use uh, video across the entire funnel. Um, so, so regular um, long-form videos originally for the awareness. Um, we'll use video vignettes for retargeting, um, for familiarity. Um, we'll use six-second bumpers on the YouTube platform for consideration to just try and now convert people. And then, of course, when you use video and create this high level of awareness, you are creating um, search uh, now your search strategy becomes much more relevant. Your display strategy becomes much more relevant when you're using video across all of those platforms. We have a lot of uh, analysis which shows, for example, when we go live and get really dialed in with a good video uh, at the top of the funnel, you know, search volume goes way up and CPA on, on search goes way down. So, um, and when you turn off that video, suddenly, you know, your search volume goes down and your CPA on that search goes up. So there's a very dynamic relationship between uh, what we do with video throughout the funnel as you as you market. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's a little bit, I, I guess what I would say just to tie it up is, you know, we think the point of difference of what we do is we don't shoot content the same way. We normally almost have a two-day shoot. We shoot a lot of raw footage. Um, we'll shoot a lot of intros. We'll shoot a lot of different um, points of difference we want to bring up in the video. You know, is it going to be this benefit? Is it going to be this feature? You know, is which is it? You know, you never know. That's the point. Someone comes up with a really creative idea. You hope that's the right hook for the consumer. We don't hope. We, we test our way through that. And then we will normally have several several closes that we're testing. And so, you know, uh, the, the scripts are different. We talked about it a little bit, the way that we spend media. You know, we start out with the test and optimize, and then we find things that are hanging within ranges of control, and we begin to scale that. Once we get that scaled, usually on the YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram platforms, then we expand and test from there. We've gone on to print, and we've gone on to other uh, platforms, uh, Pinterest. We've gone to uh, to over-the-top streaming services, for example. Um 
And then as, as part of that, when you think about this test and learn, what are we learning about? Well, we're learning about the creative. We're also learning about the audiences. And it's all about finding the messages that resonate with the right audiences. And so, you know, typical insights that you get from an agency are, are almost always going to be some after um, media flight focus groups or interviews both prior and after, we just don't believe that uh, works as well. It can enhance and has some qualitative aspects, and we do some of that, but our insights are massive data sets. They're all online videos. You get one video, you know, your colleague gets another video. We're measuring your responses on the back end, so it's an unbiased method, you know, really just observing what people's behavior is. And then the last one we talked about, when you do that, and when you do that within our methodology, you you have this content, you know, the typical content shelf life is maybe three to six months on a piece of content. That might be long in today's world, as you just mentioned. You know, we have shelf life on our content assets that are years, uh, two years plus. We have some, some uh, we have an app uh, that, that's running the, the original, still the original concept from three years ago. And that's because we tweak it. You know, we, we're, we have, we have an in, our own in-house creative group. So we tweak and play around, but we have lots of raw footage and we just kind of keep playing with it until it's no longer valid, valid for what we're trying to achieve or the marketplace has changed. And then we'll go ahead and reset and do some more content. And that's the Molio method, I guess, in a, in a nutshell. Yeah. Wow. So I guess kind of summing it up, from what I've understood, <laughs> hopefully, um, you kind of film, so you get like an idea for a video and it might be like, you know, the kind of the copy and the, the script and whatever for like a five minute video, but then you break that five minute video down into all the kind of different stages and, and key points of the video and then record multiple videos for each of those little segments. So you then kind of build yourself a big toolkit so that if you need a six second video, like you said, you've got several things that you can pick up and test. If you need a 30 second video, you just pick up maybe an intro, two of the key benefits and an outro sort of thing. Is that, is that yeah. right? Yeah, well, no, you've got it really well. And I'll, and I'll add one thing, which is important. Interestingly enough, and we have long relationships, you know, particularly with YouTube, we, we uh, you know, a lot of the original TrueView skippable format that you see today, my original first company had a lot of impact. We worked very directly with the, the engineers and folks that were creating that program at YouTube because we were, we were using it more than anyone at the time and we were helping them figure that out. The platforms today still recommend generally, you know, nothing more than 60 seconds, right? I mean, generally, that's still kind of the, that, now that's up, you know, from a 15 or 30. But the truth is that 15s matter, 30s matter, 60s matter. We just don't start there. We end there. So, so we normally take, and just like you described, we have a number, we have three to, you know, three to five different ideas on a concept, and we're going to taste, test all you know, all, all of those concepts over this eight to 12 weeks within, you know, real live video and not just focus testing with focus groups. And, and then, you know, w within that, we're, we're eventually going to get something that, that makes sense. And then from that, it, it's a process. Then of scaling. We like to say test and learn and optimization never really goes away in Molio in a campaign we're running, but there's a very heavy up period, you know, in that first, uh, usually two to three months where we dial it in, get it right, and then scale it from there. Yeah, I mean, uh, that makes complete sense to me. It's the same with what I do with, with conversion optimization. 
it's it's never really done. There's always some sort of tweak or change you can make which will boost it in performance. But it is those first few weeks, months. It might it might just be the first few tests that really kind of uh, narrow the your the kind of direction you're going in. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, you've got it. No, it really does. And and as you know, then the other side of it, which is important, is that's why we're really against any of these media houses or, or groups that just kind of set it and forget it and let the algorithms do the work because the marketplace, particularly on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, is dynamic, right? So you have, you know, it, it's a it's a uh, supply demand platform. So it's never just static. So you have to really be monitoring and watching and seeing what happens. And going back to that point you asked, which was a really good question. So we essentially then dial this in on the long form strategy, which you, which you've articulated very well. And the beauty of that is then we create the best sixties. We create the best thirties. We create the best fifteens. We create the best six second bumpers and or, or any other execution we we might want to go after on other platforms and we're quite confident based on the original work we've done, they're likely to perform above benchmark for that particular platform. And that's the, the beauty of the method. You know, you can have anyone today just create you a 30, anyone today just create you a 60 and then hope and pray that something works. We just do it. And that's what, that's what I mean when we talk about, um, my, my partner calls it really affectionately, you know, you scale with confidence with us. You never just spend a lot of money. You scale with confidence because we on a weekly basis are giving you feedback and, and analytics. You actually have live. In, uh, it's one of the fun parts I like to tell people. You are, your team can be reviewing the exact same dashboards that my team reviews for 24-7 media buying. So it's very transparent. You see exactly what we're doing and how we're doing it. And then on a weekly basis, we're recapping the insights and adjustments that we make, particularly in that phase you just described, even for your own company, where there's a heavy up period where you're really you know, trying to dial it in. And then it's, it's, it's more test and, and, and optimization at a lower intervention. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's that, you know, scale with confidence, um, I think is really important. I think a lot of people do get away with, kind of scaling up, you know, the, the CPAs are, like target CPAs are being achieved. So people just scale up from there. Yeah. But there's, yeah, there's kind of that lack of confidence. It's, are we, are we scaling up for the right reasons? Because we think we've got great creative that people are responding to. Or is it just that we've got a good CPA now, we're going to spend more money and then actually that money's just going to get, uh, kind of get burnt. Um, yeah, well, and here, here's another one for you that you have to kind of see in your world as well, which is a lot of people today dial up a pretty effective funnel, either with internal teams or with an agency partner on the Facebook platform, you know, or, or the Instagram platform. I mean, and particularly Facebook, because because you can. The problem is that's one platform, right? And there are very other, there are lots of other audiences and volume that you could go after if you were to be able to be on YouTube. Again, I mean, I always remind people, it's something I used to preach at ad tech conferences back in 2010, 2011, 2013, which was the case then and even more the case now. The second most uh, used search engine in the globe after Google is YouTube. And so if you don't have a strategy on YouTube with some basic content assets for search engine uh, availability, then you're just foregoing organic 
awareness for, for your product and service. And so lots of people can dial it in on Facebook today, but to be able to create a strategy of Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, uh, Google search, Pinterest, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, et cetera. So you, because each of them has their own CPA, right? Each of them has their own funnel. Will you, you, you know this from the background you have. And so what we like to say, people, people will come to us and say, well, we're getting a you know $35 CPA on Facebook and we want to have that on YouTube. And I said, can't help you, you know, because that's not, that's not how you should think about it. It may be on YouTube that a $70 CPA combined with a $35 CPA on Facebook is double the volume with an average acquisition cost that is better or less than what you just had on one platform. And that's what we do. We're very strategic and methodical on creating a CPA across platforms with the maximum amount of volume on the audiences that matter that is much bigger than where you are today. And that's what we often pitch is just wherever you are today, we're super confident with a lot of case studies that we can take you to other platforms with a much higher level of volume and what I would call a contribution to margin or a contribution to CPA that is equal or better than where you were with much more volume. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, Yeah, I have seen, yeah, like exactly what you said with, with the different channels. They do have their different CPAs um, yes. and people need to understand that. And it's, and it's part of it is because they have, there's different intent on each platform. You know, search someone doing a search on Google is looking for your product and therefore is yes. much more likely to buy it if they click through. Whereas if you put the ad in front of someone on Facebook, you know, you're interrupting. So, you know, you have to really grab their attention and even then the chance of conversion is lower. And then, you know, I, I don't have too much experience with YouTube myself, but the feedback I get from a lot of people is they really, really hate YouTube ads. Unless they're yeah. great, unless they're really, really good and they're targeted well. But it's, um, I think it's mainly retargeting for some companies where you, no matter what you're watching on YouTube, because obviously it's, it's retargeting, you get hit with these ads and they're, you know, coaches or, you know, it's normally B2B things. Um, and they find them so much more interruptive than on Facebook. Yeah, and, and I think you make a really good point, and one that I would really emphasize, though. That's why we're a big fan. I, I mean, 90, 99% of what we do is true view skippable. And again, we happen to have a lot of influence. My little company, Warbrush, the tongue cleaner back in the day, you know, 2009 to 2014, we had a, you know, uh, the Mountain View folks at that, that, uh, at Google were flying out to, to Salt Lake City and, and really taking a look at what we were doing. And we really, and, and because what I love about the TrueView Skippable, to your point, Will, is that you can skip it after five seconds, right? So, so, you, so it's not so intrusive, but if a company like Molio has properly created the agenda for that platform with the right content and is targeted properly, then you know you then it's not so intrusive and you might watch a little bit further the thing i love about the youtube platform will and again we love we love uh, facebook and instagram again we we are we're equal we we advertise on about both equally and the mix of that is the power of the molio method and what we do but the thing i love about the youtube platform i always said i said this way back in the day and it's just so true the most valuable impressions in the world, you know, when we're talking about impression in, in advertising, the most valuable impressions in the world are on YouTube, on the TrueView Skippable platform, because you bid for a 
an audience on the YouTube um, stock market of views, if you will. You bid for that uh, audience and you can skip after five seconds and from five to 29 seconds, it's a free impression. You actually pay for that bid if they get to the 30 seconds. So we literally design the content to exclude audiences we don't want and include audiences within the creative component so that we hit at 30 seconds and pay for the most relevant audience. But the ability to create awareness at for free, I, I always say, you know, that's it's the most valuable impression in the world. You know, you have the same thing on Facebook as you're scrolling through, but it's different. If you come to the YouTube platform and you want to see something and you're served up an ad, you can skip after five seconds and there's some relevance there within your world. Again, the frequency still today, it takes seven to 10 times before people convert on, on things. So your ability to use the right creative and the right targeting strategy on YouTube for both getting awareness for free, five to 29 seconds of bidding for that audience, and then getting a high amount of your hypothesized target audience that can that hits 30 seconds for which you're paying that then do something with that is quite high in the way that we do it and that's why again both platforms i mean we have lots of expertise on video youtube was in the video game a lot longer than anyone else facebook and instagram i would argue have been incredibly smart and resilient and tactical in designing their platforms for video it, it, that are different. And, and you, you said it really well. They're, they're just two different platforms, and you got to have a strategy for both. Yeah. Um, I just want to go back to something you said earlier, actually, about um, like the free exposure through uh, search, um, particularly through, like through YouTube search. Um, it was an interesting conversation I had quite recently about basically using other companies' SEO uh, to basically get you know free kind of free traffic, um, and this example is not exactly free free because you pay a commission. But um, one of the ways you can get a lot of good uh, search volume is is through Amazon. You know, Amazon. Sure. Yeah, you know, if someone searches for a particular product and it's on Amazon, Amazon is going to is going to rank on page one, and mm. it's and you are going to find it tough to beat them. So this guy was saying, well don't try and beat them on page one of Google. Make sure you are that product on Amazon that appears on page one. And then again, when you're on Amazon, make sure you've got your keywords sorted. Make sure you know you sort your, your product pages out really well so that when people search for the product, you appear on Amazon really highly. And so obviously, you know, when you make the sale, you are going to pay Amazon a commission for that. But you're, you're benefiting so much more um, from from all that search and you know I, I'm, I'm guessing amazon is probably the third most used search engine now yeah, so that's like a great that. question i should follow that up because i wouldn't doubt that a bit right um, and, and by the way you know i wouldn't put it past that group to 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 compete you know with youtube at some point it's a great question i'll have to follow that up but i wouldn't doubt it right Will? Yeah, I, mean, I would really agree with what you just said it is a it is definitely a platform that people use as a search engine yeah, and and, you, and again, you have to build your content for it. You know, the, the Amazon yes. product pages are, are incredible. You know, the amount of stuff you can do with them. You know, I, I've never tried, I've never set anything up myself, but you see, you see, I, if I, um, I, I'm working on a webinar, um, slides for a webinar at the moment, and uh, one of the, my examples I use is Amazon, and I did a screenshot, a full-page screenshot of one of their product pages, 
and I've had to split it into two in order to put it on the slides and make it visible because the page okay. is that long. Yeah. And, and that content is, is kind of a, a lot of that content is bespoke for Amazon. And just like, you know, you were saying with YouTube, you, you've got to, you've got to create those assets, which are specific to YouTube and then can sit there and benefit from that search. Um, so yeah, and, and I think, and, and again, Will, I think that what, I, I just agree completely with what you say, and it goes again to my strategy of how important it is to knit the platforms together on your advertising strategy, you know, including Amazon, and we didn't talk about that. We, we actually do several campaigns. We, we even launched a probiotic dark chocolate called Bouchard, a really cool product, dark chocolate with a probiotic, uh, 2 billion CFUs of uh, probiotic in a wafer dark chocolate, Belgian company, a really amazing uh, group. And we launched them into the US. And instead of launching them direct to consumer, we launched them onto Amazon. And we did it for the reasons of what you just described, because we knew that there was a way we could create a brand awareness and also get some analytics and get some rankings and get some understanding. And then by the way, we then flipped off. And now today you can get it both on Amazon and on a direct and consumer card call site, bussardchocolate.com. And, um, and again, very different way to do it. But because uh, Amazon provides such an experience to literally kind of create awareness for your brand, and today they've improved, right? I, I mean, Amazon has continued to improve. They, were, they weren't that great three or four years ago. And, and they've continued to improve the ability to have your product show up in a branded position where you might not even need a website. And that, that's actually what we did. We just decided we're not going to do that because creating all of the awareness to drive someone to bouchardchocolate.com a year and a half ago, two years ago when we started, there, that's, that requires quite a bit of money to do that, right? And this is one thing people don't realize about video or the right um, awareness at the top of the funnel. Search, unless you're just searching, you know, for, for keywords in generic places, you know, to get someone to search for your product, uh, you have to create some awareness for that search, right? It's, it's kind of funny. People say, oh, yeah, you just, well, no, you, you, you know, how would someone know to search for Bouchard chocolate? Uh, probiotic dark chocolate. How, how would they know that? They might search chocolate. They might search dark chocolate. They might search probiotic. But, you know, how do you then knit that together in a strategy that, that makes sense? That, that's just one great example to build on what you just said. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when, when I think probiotics, I think yogurts. That's, yeah, that's right, by the way. There's a, there's yeah. a, as far as I'm aware, well, until now, they were the only probiotic uh, products you could buy. Yes. Uh, you know, I haven't done massive research into it. I am not someone who, you know, I'm not looking for them a lot. Um, but those are the adverts I've seen. Those are the things that come to mind. So yeah, you're right. You know, the chance of someone searching for it is probably quite low, um, unless you build that that awareness with, with advertising. Um, and this is a uh, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. I had one other thought on the uh, probiotic dark chocolate, which is quite interesting, maybe for your listeners. Which is this is another good, uh, you know, really good example where when you when you take a look at just things that buck the trend or or the common way that that people think about things. Um, the, the the probiotic dark, dark chocolate, um, Bouchard chocolate. This was one that we had just an amazing um, example 
on Facebook where we the original video on this was five minutes and, and 15 seconds. I'm trying to pull it up to be accurate, but it was over five minutes. And it was what you just talked about, trying to educate consumers that uh, probiotics can come in different ways than, than yogurt and that this particular product is a dark chocolate wafer with anti antioxidant properties, but also provides this unbelievable probiotic uh, for, for your gut health that is equal or better than yogurt. Um, and, and so again, we, we just had this long thing. And the amazing part about that um, that campaign was that, uh, I was just gonna pull it up quick here. So for example, um, we had a view rate um, 55% of those targeted watched at least 30 seconds. And the click-through rate on Facebook was 4.8. Um, you know, both were way above platform metrics. And that was on this long-form video that, that the people, because it was just this, we just kept having this fun little vignette of people. It had some humor in it, but we kept re-educating on dark chocolate and probiotics you know, the both of which don't normally come together. And and this is where we were testing. And then we took the vignettes of that, but the actual long form asset performed above benchmarks, which which doesn't always happen, but in a few cases happens with us. And and so we we ended up running the long form, the five minute version we ran for quite a bit just to try and create you know awareness and and begin to influence the Amazon and regular search engines on on Google. Yeah, I mean if if, if the, the content is well-targeted and it's good quality content, it, it should work because even though it's interrupting uh, and, and therefore a lot of people will skip it or, or ignore it or whatever, um, you will get a large amount of people who go, oh, actually, that, that is something I'm interested in. Um, and so yes. they'll pay attention. And I yes, think exactly. one of the reasons why, obviously, like TV advertising does work, but you hear you always hear of people saying, oh, you remember back in the days when, you know, you had to run out of the room when the ad started to go make a cup of tea and come and get right. back just in time for the show to restart. And it's because, I mean, partly because obviously people want to, you couldn't pause TV back back then. Um, and so people needed to use those breaks, but it's, people didn't care about the advertising because it was generic and, you know, you're almost, you're forced to watch it. Yeah. So if yeah, you can avoid it, you yeah. will. Um, yeah. And nowadays you can... Uh, you can obviously pause and fast forward. So if you need to pause in your show, you pause in the show and then restart. And then you might have two or three minutes to catch up on. And that happens in the advertising break. Um, so uh, maybe uh, if we could get some tips on video, I think that'd be really helpful for people. Um, if, you've, if you've just got some ideas on or, or some thoughts to share on, you know, if people wanted to get started with video, um, and maybe, maybe don't have massive budgets, um, but they've got, you know, got some resource to put into making video. What are maybe some of the key things they should consider at the start of, of this process? Yeah, I, yeah, where I am in life, we end up advising a lot of startups and I actually sit on, on three, uh, sit on the board of three different startups. And so this is something near and dear to my heart because my own startup, we, 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 we did it this way. And what I would say to folks is if you've never, if you, if, if you are doing advertising today, and by the way, even if you're not, you know, you, you could try this, but if you don't have large budgets, you can open up an AdWords account or a Facebook manager account and you could just target, you know, 50 to a hundred bucks. You can have a hypothesis of who your target audience is. 
you know, you could shoot some, uh, some vignettes or some even basic concepts without even a creative strategy necessarily. Think, think through your own creative strategy, a couple of vignettes, go live, and, 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 and then just look at the platform metrics. I mean, they're quite rich. You know, we, we have a sophistication that sucks them all in together, and we have our own proprietary methodology for how we do these dashboards for integration. But, but again, you know, uh, that, that costs a bit, you know, and, and I always say, when you're doing video, don't focus, here, here's a tip, don't focus so much on the cost of the video, focus on what the person or what yourself can do in addition to what you already know and where you are. So if, if someone really wants to understand the power of video, take some video, either current assets or shoot a couple uh, in, in a very inexpensive way, and go ahead and just go run some media on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram and look at the analytics, look at the demographics, the behavioral, you know, what were these people viewing before this? You, you can target people for what they previously viewed. You know, it's a very tight target. Um, when we launched a product called Orapup, which was our second product to prove the Molio method, it was a tongue cleaner for dogs. You know, so when, when we launched Orabrush for humans, people said, oh, this is great. Could you create one for dogs? Because dogs have bad breath. So, so we did that and we were able to, you know, one of our initial, this is when the platform was far less uh, uh, sophisticated, but still had plenty of amazing targeting power. We simply were able to target people that had previously watched a dog video. Probably likelihood's pretty, pretty high that I've got my right segmentation for targeting. So, so, so tips for people just trying to get in, get involved and just see what you can do. And then at some point, you know, you probably hit a point where it's, interesting enough or you're learning enough where you can see the opportunity to grow your audiences because that's what everyone's trying to do find audiences that you can larger audiences that you have ratios to convert that make sense and at some point you want to maybe get some help from from some people that have some expertise but you know you can really learn and just wherever people are today as you know will lots of people can today just jump on and start doing display advertising or or, or doing some search um, but if you haven't added video, just just add it. Take some video. Do it's in the same platforms. If those of you that are in the platforms, it's you know very simple to, relatively simple to to, to add in a video component and just try it, and you'll see the power of how it impacts your other uh, executions. You'll see how it impacts display. You'll see how it how a retargeting strategy can impact the lower funnel search conversions in addition to a to a longer video component. So. I like to say, look, we're not cheap. We're not expensive. Uh, we, you know, we, we, as my partner says, we, we, we help people scale with confidence and you're never shelling out too much, but you can get started and learn enough to know if you need some help. And then people that actually are today fairly effective doing search and display advertising should definitely add a video component. You know, video is the best way to tell a story today, has the highest, you know, there are many, uh, I could quote you a bunch of stuff, you know, as a video company, you might expect that, but retention on conversion is much higher on a video component versus other means, because again, you're able to tell a story uh, that is much more compelling. And if the product matches up to that story, you're highly likely to retain or get um, word of mouth recommendations as well. Yeah, brilliant. So yeah, kind of just give it a go, um, but make sure you're analyzing it. And, and yeah, not, I guess yeah. not just focusing on the CPA of the video. You know, actually- yeah, exactly. In fact, 
using it as a research piece, not yes, actually just considering it as a as a yeah. acquisition piece. Yeah, Rich, you, uh, uh, Will, you just mentioned something really important I'd emphasize. Most people that get on the video look at the cost per view. Don't look at the cost per view. Look at the click rate and how long they watched and, and, and look at how many, you know, on YouTube, if you're on YouTube or even on, on Facebook with the, you know, how many people got an impression that you didn't pay for. You know, begin to measure other things that you're trying to augment in your, even your lower funnel focus, try to focus mid funnel and then try eventually to have a full funnel effort, which is going to have much more volume. And if you can hold your ratios for KPIs that matter, you, you just said something I think is really important. People measure the wrong things at times. If you're trying to find growing audiences, growing businesses, therefore you need more audiences. Um, yeah. you, you know, don't just focus on the cost. Focus it's on the like, outcome. Um, like with a lot of channels, you get CPMs. And CPMs is another good example. Yeah. It, it's handy to, to kind of understand that and know what you're paying for, for those impressions. But at the end of the day, if you, if you get the conversions at, at, a, at a rate that's acceptable to you, that's what matters. And exactly. if you're not getting those conversions, then, then that's the issue. You can have a really cheap CPM, but if you're not getting people in. Uh, I remember I, I worked with a company a few years ago and when I when I joined them, they had been measuring uh, CPI for for their app installs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it was really cheap, and they were, and they thought it was fantastic. And I just looked at the data for those customers, and I said none of them were actually purchasing. Um, yeah. You know, a huge number weren't even use, weren't even starting their free trial, um, and it, and the ones who were all, almost none of them uh, actually converted to a paying customer. So you know, it, it was just pointless. Um, and it's not, it's really like kind of example. brand exposure stuff because I know you, you can use that because like you said, it has that effect on other channels. You know, yes. you might do some video uh, or you might use video retargeting and, and the yes. way it all interacts with those other channels then kind of gives you your, your CPAs and things and you've got to take it all into account. But if you've got this CPI, uh, which is really low and those people aren't, aren't doing anything afterwards, then even the brand exposure is a bit pointless. Yes, um, that's well said. Well, totally so agree with that. I kind of, I kind of want to expand on that a little bit, um, just quickly, because you know I'm conscious of the time. Um, so, a- apart from measuring the wrong things, do you think there are any big or really common mistakes you see with, with people using video? Um, I guess the other one that I would mention, which recurs all the time in people that talk with us that we either decide to take on or that we advise and give some thoughts and, and suggest that you know we may not be the right match, I would say that be careful of best practices to not follow them out the window. So, so obviously best practices, if Google's telling you, you know, the, the best thing to do is, is, is 60 seconds uh, on, on video or, or, you know, 30, if, if you look at those best practices, those best practices are generally good guides and we benchmark against all of the best practices. We have to have our own benchmarks that we tell our clients because we, you know, if you tell us you just want to exceed the, the benchmark on YouTube, you would be underpowering yourself with us. So we have our own benchmarks that are always above the platforms. And so I guess the other thing that I would say is be careful. And, and this would be people maybe that are a bit more sophisticated and trying to find these new audiences. Um, our experience with video, as I said, while the best practice platform for the platforms is generally 30 to 60 seconds is what they say, we never start there. 
we end up getting really good assets there later. But the learning is so rich to go on longer form videos with more ideas you're testing. And so it comes back to what we talked before. But but I think people, um, you know, be, don't don't buy into how do people create points of difference on something that is an analogous or a parody experience for all advertisers or all brand marketers. They create points of difference by thinking out of the box and doing things differently. My original company, uh, Orbrush, with the crazy millennials and, and Dr. Bob Wagstaff that I launched 10 years ago, all of the playbook that I had learned at Procter & Gamble, one of the most preeminent marketer and advertisers in the world, still the largest advertiser in the world today in TV, I believe, which is partly their problem, trying to switch and become more digital. Uh, but I had to lose half my playbook. You know, I, I joke around that I had to unlearn 50% of what I learned at one of the most preeminent advertisers in the world. My, my group may say that I needed to lose 80% of what I had learned. So the ability to think out of the box on some of these platforms with video is important because if the parody experience today is to load up and say, I want a CPA of X, I want target audience demographics of X, and let the algorithms do it, well, you know, there's not there's not a real point of difference there. Anyone could do that. So how you think, uh, you mentioned something before I'll just land with to end on this subject. You, you really do want to think about the impact one exercise has on one platform against even other advertising tactics on that platform, let alone other platforms, right? So, so begin to think more strategically about what am I trying to achieve on this platform with display and with search and begin to look at the interaction and interplay between the media strategies. Sarah, Sarah Moss, who's our head of media and analytics, she's, I think, 31 years old, 31, 32 years old. Her background is she got a degree in math. She got a master in statistics if she went and worked for a biostats company, she's a completely creative, crazy, wicked, smart, you know, math and numbers person. She then went and got, got an MBA. I was teaching at the University of Utah in this MBA class. And this woman kept asking all these amazing questions. And so after the class, I went up and talked to her and hired her two months later. And she's now our head of media and analytics, has been with me for almost four years and, you know, she is brilliant at thinking about the interaction on the media plan across the tactics and the platforms, right? You can hire anyone to just go create a video. You can hire anyone to just, you know, run you some media. But the ability to think about the tactics strategically for what you're trying to achieve to create a growth company and to create awareness that stays within frameworks that it's affordable and that you can you can uh, place the right bets on those media budgets is is really the art of of what we try to do today on the digital platforms. Yeah, absolutely, definitely important. Um, I've I've had ch chats on the podcast before actually about uh, the the problems that come with kind of siloed marketing teams where the, yes. you know, the PPC people yes. do their thing, the digital media do their thing, the Facebook guys do their thing. And it, you know, it, it works, it gets you to a certain level, but you're going to struggle to go to that next level because you don't understand the impact other channels are having on your channel, which means you can't, awesome. you therefore can never be certain of actually if what you're doing is the right thing because you don't actually know how it's being imp impacted. Um, yes. And just a super quick comment on the, the, the best practice thing. Yeah, completely agree. 
it's a good starting point, you know, to, to kind of get, you know, if you've never done something before, uh, get the best practices out, have a look at them, but then kind of, yeah, use them as just a, a starting point and then think, well, how does, how does my brand and my audience need to like, you know, adapt this to, to, to fit the needs. Um, and think of it as a hypothesis, not as a statement or an insight, right? So, so, you know, again, I, I, I uh, even, you know, with supposedly all the experience I have, I never talk so um, dogmatically anymore. I just say, well, my hypothesis would be, and then we go test it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, I, I become, it doesn't matter. The smartest person in the room is the person that comes up with the right question to, to, to test. And then we learn something from it. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and, and I'd like to add, even uh, even if you're wrong. Um, yes, that's right. Obviously, you can really, really mess up. But if you've got the right processes in place, you'll be fine. You know, the test might go wrong, but you learn something from it. Yes. Um, you look at the data and you go, right, that didn't work. Why didn't it work? Okay, the data shows people didn't, this new character we used didn't appeal to people or something like that, you know, whatever. Um but yeah, as long as you learn from it, it, it can then potentially generate you uh, the next hypothesis, which could be a winner. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, so yeah, just finally, before we end, um, do you have any pet peeves when it comes to marketing, either as a marketer or a consumer? Yeah, you know, listen, I, I think, uh, I guess one of my pet peeves today is in spite of a lot of effort by a lot of companies uh, both from the manufacturer and advertiser side and on the agency service side, we still have a real lack of transparency on, uh, on, on how to, to, to go off and, and think about um, creating a mutual plan that yokes an agency and, and a brand advertiser. So one of my pet peeves is you know, we're a super transparent company. You know, again, I told you I created the company I always wanted so we're very clear on what we do, how we do it, the price for it. Um, you know, we don't force people to into long-term contracts with us. You know, it's 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 perform. So my pet peeve is we still are a bit dated on forcing um, companies to sign long contracts with not a lot of clarity, without a lot of transparency. It's still a pet peeve of mine. We 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 love to talk to people who are you know looking for transparency and clarity on your pricing structure. You know how you make how me how you make my. I like people to know exactly how I make money. And if you're in disagreement with that, then don't work with us. But we will make money for you or we don't continue on. One reason why we have these long, uh, why we have these long uh, partnerships is because we yoke up with a high level of transparency. And, and you, you know it, you know, I mean, today you just have, and part of it is that there are so many unique and fun and, and amazing things going on. But, uh, but you, you still have a lot of, you know, I used to be super skeptical of my agencies and, and I think it, I'm not sure at times it's, uh, it's improved a lot. And we like to really be someone that stands out with a really direct, a transparent approach. And if you're not a match, great. Let's not waste each other's time and money. Let's find, um, you know, uh, here's what we do. Here's what your needs are. Here's what we would do. And that's why I said kind of at the beginning, we're a terrible vendor. We're, we're a great um, partner because you can't take the brand and, and uh, 
brand side out of me. You know, I'm not really an agency guy. I've, uh, my partner is, uh, that's why we're a good partnership. You know, he comes with you know, the DNA of holding company agencies. I come from having built billion dollar brands at P&G and now, you know, a couple of startups that I've helped make it. And, uh, and that combo is important with transparency. I guess that would be my pet peeve. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good one. Um, yeah. I've, I've, I get exactly what you mean by that. All right. Yeah. I think it's really, really important. Um, right. Top stuff, Jeff. Uh, it's been really, really great. Uh, really interesting for me, actually. I've, like I said, I think I said, I've done a little bit with video, but, but not a huge amount. And I think part of it has been that kind of resource and, and understanding what what's required and, and thinking, well, we're going to have to make a new video every, every month or so just to freshen things up. But actually the way you've, you've described it, it's, you know, it's all right. It's still, it's still quite a lot of work to get things going, but you know, once you've done that, you've potentially got something that can last you years. If, if people want to get in touch or find out more from you, uh, what's the best way of doing that? Uh, thank you. I really appreciate that. If people want to get in touch with us, they can go directly to molio.com. Molio, by the way, molio in Latin is to build or construct. So we think of ourselves as brand builders. Molio.com, that's M-O-L-I-O.com. And you can just uh, write us a note. Uh, my partner and I read that directly. We don't uh, have anyone else that looks at it. So uh, so we'd be happy to, to, to uh, see if we might be a good match for someone if they're looking to, to have a more sophisticated approach on uh, marketing with video at the core. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jeff. Hey, it's great to be with you, Will. Be well. Good luck to you. Amazing stuff as always. I frequently create little toolkits for various marketing channels, you know, a, a bunch of subject lines to pick and choose from, images that can be quickly altered and repurposed for a new email or for an advert. But it had actually never occurred to me to do the same with video. I've always seen video as this one single piece that you kind of record in one go. It's it's one continuous piece of content. And once it's created, that's pretty much the only use you have for it. But as Jeff pointed out, the way to be most efficient with it is to actually create several versions of all the key parts and build the video in a way that can be, it can be easily split apart, put back together again with different variations of content. So record different intros, different outros, uh, make sure each of your kind of key benefits or use cases is quite obviously a separate part that you can, you know, slice, slice out the video uh, and remove it or, or just use that one for a, a quick 10, 15 second video. This process allows you to test and learn quicker. It keeps the content evergreen and really boosts your advertising performance by getting the right message in front of the right people. If you'd like to know more about uh, video advertising, just get in touch with Jeff on LinkedIn or head over to molio.com. Next week, I'll be chatting with Roger Nen about podcasts and how brands can be using them in different ways to engage customers and employees. But until then, keep those customers clicking.